So, Gavin, the day of departures, you were <laughs> also temporarily <laughs> there was, left the group chat. There was about 45 seconds there where I'd walked away from the group chat in, in a manner uh, not seen since Joe McHugh walked away from his collective. Um, uh, it was such a frantic day that I meant to log out of WhatsApp web and I just left the group by accident, prompting frantic missives to Zara King as group admin be like, please allow me back, back in. in. I was like, Gavin's more eager to leave than Boris Johnson. It's been that kind of news day. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, if you weren't allowed back in that group chat, you wouldn't be here now in the middle of the podcast. Were you texting him with like, ask me back in. Again. That's it then, right, I'm off. Goodbye. <laughs> we giggled across the news. I know room. what I'm not wanted. He's gone again, folks. Hello, you're very welcome along to the group chat meltdown special live. <laughs> I'm joined as ever by chaos correspondent Dara King. Chaos correspondent, I love it. And mayhem editor Gavin Riley. I'm going to put that on our supers on screen. Those are brilliant titles. We are live watching. We have our screens and our eyes trained across the water on Larry the Cat outside number yeah. 10 Downing Street. Larry the Cat is, is about to bring it up to 40 government resignations because it's been, it's been some exodus. I think Larry actually resigned on Twitter yesterday, did he? Or he was saying he was certainly considering his resignation. Yeah, but that's all they need now is, is yeah, done. But we, we are expecting more resignations in the UK government this evening. They might happen on our watch, but already dozens, literally dozens, 38 government resignations from Boris Johnson's government I think it's so actually, far. it's literally 39 actually in the last couple of minutes. Oh, the, the, ticker Ar- rolls up. <laughs> the Northern Ireland Secretary has resigned and the ticker hasn't caught up yet. Oh, yeah, but they're all calling for him to go. He says it seems that he's not going anywhere, but that decision may soon be taken out of his hands. Gav, um, <laughs> Boris Johnson has had his fair share of scandals. Yes. Probably more than any other Prime Minister you could shake a stick at. Yeah. Um, should we probably explain That's uh, what I how, how, how this happened? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why this scandal? Why have we got to a point why now where scandal? so many people are, are leaving? First of all, we should probably explain what this scandal is because actually the cause of this scandal has been somewhat overlooked given the pace of people resigning and it's hard to keep up with exactly uh, why they're doing so. This all goes back to a man called Chris Pincher who was, until last weekend, the Deputy Chief Whip for the Conservative government. And that meant that not only was he responsible for ensuring voting discipline and making sure that everything was able to get through the House of Commons whenever the Conservatives needed all their votes to be in line, but he was also responsible for basically receiving welfare concerns on the part of other Conservatives. So if they were having issues of a personal nature, if they were finding it tough to be away from home, or if they had any other sort of personal issue, or they needed to come for any kind of a counselling, um, Chris Pincher was the man to whom they were supposed to come. And all of this is quite important because... Chris Pincher had to resign last week because he got drunk and then allegedly groped two men in a manner to which they were not uh, comfortable or accustomed or expected. And it would turn out that Chris Pincher has a history of allegations made against him. And originally Boris Johnson said, I wasn't aware of any of that. When I made him Deputy Chief Whip responsible for welfare issues, I had no idea that he had this this history of of alleged uh, infractions behind him. Only then for the story to change because, well, he knew that there was some allegations but no specific ones but then it turns out that he knew that there were specific ones and they said, well, there were no substantiated specific ones. And then it turned out that that wasn't true either. And in fact, there had been some complaints made against him previously, which were upheld. And moreover, that Boris Johnson was previously his boss when the two of them were in the Foreign Office and Boris was Foreign Secretary and Chris Pincher was a junior minister there. And so the two of them would have had a reasonable working relationship and Boris Johnson was claiming that he knew nothing of Chris Pincher's previous history of alleged infractions. Um, All of which has been something of a tipping point. We know that there's been a lot of unease about um, the... There's 40 resignations now, just as we're talking about. Another another, um, PDF uh, screen captured and tweeted out there by Jacob Young MP. By Jacob Young MP, that brings the resignations to 40. Um, All of whom have basically 
there was obviously a lot of people who were unhappy about Partygate and whether it was appropriate for the Prime Minister to stay in, in the job after he was found to have broken the law. But now you have a situation where the Prime Minister is still sticking there and not showing any kind of change of tack. A lot of uh, people thought in the last month, after that motion of no confidence, Boris Johnson would come away scolded, would be a little bit more um, sensitive in how he ran the place, would show a little bit more humility, and the very fact that he has decided to brazen it all out and actively send people out to spin a line which wasn't true about how little or how much he knew has been the straw that has broken and, many backs. And, Gavin, what about this um, accusation that he sort of... Chris Pincher was known as Pincher by name, Pincher by nature? This is not going to be very highbrow uh, political analysis, but... Um, I think it is illustrative of just the culture that there is in Westminster that anywhere else, if you were told that someone's name was Pincher and that they had uh, a history of um, inappropriate behaviour that some would describe as lecherous, a lot of which involved groping, and the guy's name is Pincher, if it isn't the first thing that you immediately associate with him whenever you hear his name afterwards, it must be a sign of either an organisational culture in which this kind of behaviour is bizarrely commonplace or it's a culture presided over by someone who appears not to care too much about what is proper conduct and what isn't. Well, he was also... He, Boris Johnson there refused to deny earlier on that he said at some point that all the sex pests are with us yeah. um, when he appeared before a committee meeting earlier on today. But, but Zara, as Gavin's making the point there, like, Boris Johnson hasn't shifted at all from this. No. There's no intention there whatsoever. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Actually unbelievable to see him today. And he's still saying, get it done. Remember we laughed about this how many weeks ago when we said, yes. oh, he sort of keeps repeating. What, what is the it? You've got to get yes. it done. But he wants to get But it. this is sort of the throwback to the Brexit, get Brexit mm. done sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, he hasn't uh, faltered Richard, actually, and all his mates have gone round to the house to say to him, listen, time up. This is the best part Imagine of Imagine your friends waiting at home for you to be like, listen, yeah. again. you like us going around saying, listen, Richard, the jig is up, and you've been like, no, lads, I'm sticking with it. It's unbelievable. So over the course of the afternoon... You have had a load of cabinet members and the head of the Conservative 1922 committee, which is basically just sort of committee of the parliamentary party, all gone around to say, right, Boris, the jig is up, you're done. So effectively going around to his living room, sitting around awkwardly, waiting to tell their boss that he's done. But also a couple of his allies have gone in there as well, like Nadine Dorries uh, and a couple of others who are basically there to say, no, no, he's going, fight on, buddy. Mm. You're doing so fun. you have competing groups of, of Tories there in what is probably the worst party at Downing Street since all of those other ones. Since all those other parties. Um, which, which, which apparently were not bad parties at all. Uh, I think that was, that was the problem with them. What's remarkable is that some of the people going over to stage that intervention, telling the guy that he has to go. Pretty Patel. Well, including uh, Naheem Zahawi, who was appointed yesterday as the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, a guy to whom Boris Johnson gave a serious promotion on Tuesday, is going around on Wednesday evening and said, here, listen, buddy, your, your days are numbered. Is that... Like, did he take the job just to plump out his Wikipedia byline Whoa, for a day or two? For a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> is that because he has his own ambitions in terms of being a leader? There was an allegation that he uh, was demanding to be given that job or none at all, that mm -hmm. Boris Johnson wanted to give the chancellery job to Liz Truss, uh, who is currently the for uh, foreign secretary, to whom he is a little bit more ideologically aligned. And that's how he had basically demanded it or else he was going to walk and Boris had given them the job in an element of, of uh, frailty, which apparently has been denied by everyone involved, but nonetheless, the story is still there. Um, what Boris Johnson is doing is, like, the one thing that he can do, I suppose, is, is to call some bluffs because the nature of the, the intervention that some of these ministers were trying to stage by going around to, to Downing Street this evening with, like, a... I don't know, a box of, uh, well, not a suitcase full of wine, maybe like a Swiss roll under one arm, a box of tea bags in the other, They're trying to stage a sober intervention. Um, but they, they said, right, well, if you don't go, 
we're all going to quit. Yeah. Including the guy who he promoted only 24 hours previously. Hell of a first day on the job. Yeah. But now, but now Boris is basically calling their bluff and mm. saying, right, well, I'm not going. So let's see if he does. And it will manufacture out of nowhere uh, this element or this perception of strength and of a man who cannot be moved if he has called the bluff of, of some of his own ministers and then they don't fall on their own swords. It's the one card that he's got left to play, which is why he's playing. Quick fact check, um, just on stuff we've already said in this podcast. Brandon Lewis apparently. Uh, denying that he's resigned. Oh, back to uh, 39 then. Okay. Ba- back to 39. Actually, like, the taker's gone back to 39. Uh, we have yeah. had 39 resignations, Zara. Zara, what's your favourite resignation so far? <laughs> uh, I mean, the smudged <laughs> one that you tweeted last night was pretty good. This is a guy who was, um, his name was uh, Andrew Murison. It looked, so first of all, uh, like it's a lesson to all of us, uh, wipe your lens before you take a photograph. <laughs> but why? Everybody else has got the idea right. It's a Word document or it's a PDF or mm. whatever like that. You don't need to print it. Like screenshot mm. a PDF. If you're going to tweet it, don't print it first. Stay in school. This is a, this is a, this is this yeah, is a fact. Fair, fair. So smudgy okay. camera, which he clearly he was either just out of the bath or something like that. He, was, <laughs> he missed his deadline to do it. For, straight from the shower, Andrew Morrison has resigned. Uh, mm. Everybody gave him stick about it. So then he decided to tweet a photo of it again, which was yeah. a dry version, except it was folded up, probably fished out of the bin at that point. <laughs> um, so two attempts, he, he has uh, resigned there. There was also I saw over the course of the day there was a group resignation, which tells me that they were mm. running out of paper. There was five of them resigning <laughs> in one letter. There was one there'll of... be a running headed paper in the House of Commons by the end of all of this. There's yeah. a queue for the printer, I'd say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there was there was an Instagram one. Somebody put it up on Instagram first. Uh, somebody just posted Quite up. Quite 2022, I would say. I would say so. Uh, yeah, somebody somebody stood up against a balcony with a lovely idyllic yeah. backdrop, which there is nice. There was the one on um, on I think one of the breakfast TV programs or one of the um, the talk shows in Britain on Tuesday night. Someone who basically talked themselves into a resignation where they said. Oh, this was terrible, and the host then put it to them. So that means then you're you're resigning, and they sort of went, "Well, I, I guess I am. I guess." So I mean, obviously, <laughs> I so. you know, we, we talked about the the poor unfortunate researcher from one of the broadcasters of the nameless who sent out that text, sort of asking around if people were planning to resign, and if you fancy resigning on air, that would be great. <laughs> like, right. Let, let yeah. us know. And I mean. Look, I think, you know, lifting the lid on journalism, what we like to do here, I think that's probably not an uncommon message that probably gets sent out in these types of situations. But it's unfortunate story, for that yeah. researcher that that was made public. Uh, Brandon, so Brandon Lewis is design, uh, denying that he's resigned? He, well, a source close to Brandon Lewis, okay. as, as, the, as the saying as the goes, goes, has said that he has okay. not resigned. And I will add the word yet is in there as it well. Was, it was so being, maybe, he, maybe he will go. Yeah, well, it, it had been like tweeted by the, the official BBC Breakfast account. So I kind of presumed that came with the imprimatur. Yeah, of but it has been deleted as well, apparently. Oh, oh, that's so then, yeah. But one particular thing on Brandon Lewis. So he has been said to be uh, in favour of Boris Johnson going. Uh, but he also was in Belfast today where he was <clears> handing over some sort of hamper I saw from a press release. Uh, <laughs> and he got on the plane uh, to try and get back. And airport chaos got the best of him, so he's delayed going back over. So I'm not sure if he's even in London yet. Um, but yeah. he was one of the lads who was meant to be turning up in the living room to say, "Okay, all right, it's time to go." Is, is that why he, he hasn't resigned yet? Because the plane hasn't landed, and he needs to get his 4G coverage back before he could be the tweet. Yeah. I was going to say roaming charges, but that doesn't apply. And that's yeah. probably a political bombshell. But I mean, um, how is this going to go then? How is this going to go here from from here on out, Gav? Well, people will wonder why it is that the resignation of all these lower order people. In fact, sorry, people will probably wonder first of all how many jobs are there in the British government, and the answer is somewhere between 160 and 170. And people wonder, how the hell did that happen? Basically, over time, government in Britain has become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger all the time and needs more people to run it. Um, Partly because of the coalition between the Tories and the Lib Dems back in 2010, where there was a sort of a jobs for the boys arrangement where everyone had to get some title or other, so it became very big. But also post-Brexit, they've now announced and appointed a lot of these trade envoys, jobs which previously couldn't exist because the UK didn't control its own trade policy. So now you have, not only is there the secretaries, the people who attend cabinet, 
and then the ministers who are the people underneath them. And then uh, you also have uh, trade envoys, you have other party office holders like deputy chair who resigned last night. You have parliamentary private secretaries who are unpaid mm. junior, junior mm. ministers who are basically the eyes and ears of other people and who don't get paid for the job. But it means that there's about 170 people involved in government one way or another, uh, which is why 40-odd of them can resign and the place can still trundle along. But people will then wonder, well, you know, how does this end? And it's actually significant that all these people at the bottom of the food chain are resigning because you're getting to a point where Boris Johnson's not going to be able to replace them because there are so many people in the party who have already announced one way or another that they don't have confidence in the man that when it comes to trying to find a new trade envoy to Morocco, for example... He hasn't got the bodies to do it. He hasn't got the bodies to do it, which means, in a literal sense, he can't form a government. Now, you could just abolish all those jobs again and trundle it off. and Nadine Doris could be like Mr. Burns and Smithers and Simpsons where they have to take over the burning of the plant themselves. And... But basically like the, the, the feed of all coalition from like late 2010 or early 2011 where you've got seven people running the entire country. Um, but that, that's where it's getting to, where it, it may be the case that when Boris Johnson tries to staff the government again after this exodus, he might find that he's got nowhere else to go and that might force his hand a little bit. But of course, that would be a, a concession of some sort which we're not likely to see from him because he's been so headstrong and insistent that he's going to get, get on with the job and get it done. Get it done. I was in London when Boris Johnson became Prime Minister because uh, you couldn't go, Gavin, at the time because you were having a baby. <laughs> so, not personally, but it's... No, yeah. but obviously, yeah, yeah. I was on paternity leave, yeah. So I, I was given three, the job because the political Three years next month. Unable. Yeah, so I feel like Darren is a visual representation I suppose, of the three years. <laughs> God uh, love her. I know, God love her. But I remember being there at the time. So he beat Jeremy Hunt in the Conservative leadership contest at the time. And I looked back on it today. He, he beat him by 60. He got 66% of the vote at the time. Mm. So he was obviously a very popular choice in the Conservative Party. Um, I remember, you know, speaking to members of the public at that time and there was obviously very mixed views on it. But Boris Johnson always had that sort of like bumbling fool kind of, he was almost endearing and people sort of found it, mm. you know, almost sort of like acceptable. Because... It was his London mayor persona. Absolutely. And, you know, we all remember the famous images of him sort of, you know, there's always a photo call where Boris Johnson sort of half made a fool of himself. Um, but that is really worn thin with the British public. And you really see that now mm. in the coverage. If you see any of the sort of Vox Pops that are coming in, um, I saw, I think it was Channel 4 News, it was the BBC last night, had been in a pub, you know, just down in a local pub kind of chatting to punters. Mm. And people are just so done with it. And I think as well... The same as here, people in Britain are like, listen, cost of living, fill in our cars, let's get on with the business today. And that's really what a lot of the resignations are, are kind of echoing as well. It mm. seems as well to be a lot of straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Like, it does seem like there's a turning point, if you look at the polls, about where British people were in relation to Boris Johnson, that the party gate thing kind of tipped it for them. Like, the poll yeah. last night, 69% of British voters think Boris Johnson should resign. That was nice. by YouGov. Funnily enough, the group co-funded by the Chancellor of the Exchequer who again now, it's just been reported in the last couple of minutes, has to today told Boris Johnson he should resign. And tomorrow... That, that's, sorry, that's, that's the new Chancellor, that's Naheem Zahawi. Yeah, Naheem yeah, Zahawi. Okay, yeah. uh, he has today agreed, or tomorrow he's agreed to launch a new economic plan alongside Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> that press conference will go completely to plan. <laughs> Gosh, I that's great. It. The thing about what Boris Johnson, mess. though, like when he was appointed, like we, we nearly forget because it was so long ago, but when, when he won that general election in, in December 2019, it was because Brexit had not yet been achieved. Mm. And it really was get Brexit done. And oh, yeah. it had been this kind of mortifying civil war in Britain for four and a half years that people just wanted it ended. So they said, right, elect this guy. He's got this oven-ready deal. Mm. Uh, give him enough MPs, he'll pass it. And then we don't have to talk about it again. Yeah. And that sort of worked for a bit. I mean, Brexit will never, ever be done. We'll be dealing with its consequences forever. Yeah. But he, at least then, well, he stumbled into a pandemic, which is still then led to Partygate, which is sowing the seeds for where we are right now. But th this is what happens when you elect someone for a five-year term. 
and they get the main thing on their agenda done within like six weeks. But what yeah. else are they going to do? Yeah, I think you're right about that though, Richard. It was part to get. I mean, the Platinum Jubilee, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, himself and his wife arriving at the Platinum Jubilee and being booed by what were effectively conservative yeah. voters, you know, mm. royalists. I think that was a real moment of like, the jig is off here for Boris Johnson. Mm. The only person who doesn't realise it is Boris Johnson. Well, <laughs> kicking and screaming is the only way for him to go. A couple yeah. more highlights I, I had from the last uh, day or so of this. Nadine Dorries, when she put out her tweet of support for Boris Johnson, uh, Sky News in such a hurry that they didn't crop out the first reply. So ah. basically it was her saying, oh, I'm not sure anybody doubted me, but I'm 100% behind Boris Johnson, the PM who consistently gets all the big decisions right. First reply under it was, satire is dead. Um, <laughs> and obviously Boris Johnson literally, literally been televised on Sky News uh, literally the moment minutes before, earlier. owning up for a mistake he had made uh, around Which uh, is the appointment of Chris Pincher, yeah. Um, I mean, it feels very, the thick of it, doesn't it? Like, the whole thing is just... It is chaotic. So in chaotic. And here's, it, just on the thick of it sort of thing, in, in, the, in, the, in the House of Commons earlier on today when Boris Johnson was saying, oh, yeah, um, I have a plan, I'm going to get us through it. Like, the backbenches of his own party were braying for him. One man, Alex Shellbrook, and I'm okay to say this because it was on the record of the House of Commons, he apparently mouthed bollocks <laughs> and performed a throat-cutting <laughs> gesture. Oh, um, we're going to have to put an explicit tag on this podcast yes. so producer Killian is in the back of the studio. I don't know where the sliding scale bollocks is, but that's where it is. <laughs> and it's fine. It's enhanced now. Um, oh, dear. Zara, do you think that people are the Irish government? Because it does seem now it's coming to a, a denouement yeah. of some description, whether or not Boris Johnson wants it. It does seem like there will be a vote next week which could see him yeah. turfed out in that no-confidence motion by the, by the Conservative Party. But yeah. do you think that the government here, how do you think they'll be feeling about this? Well, so you met Leo Varadkar this morning and then I met him an hour after you and I didn't know that you'd already asked him the same question. <laughs> so I ended up asking Leo Varadkar so, the same was question. Was he at least consistent? Did he give the same well, answer? actually, yeah. Because I, I, I didn't realise you were going to Leo this morning as well. So uh, I met Leo and asked him the same question and he gave me the same answer uh, in which he said that, look, the Irish government would work with whoever uh, was the British Prime Minister and said that he wouldn't. I said, oh, who do you fancy for the job? He said, I'm not going to tell you that. Of course, I've got something in mind. I'm not going to tell you that. Mm. I mean, privately, a few people I've spoken to today in the Irish government definitely want him gone. Like, you know, no secret. Yeah, it's yeah. really, yeah. Chef Leo was out last week on, on the yeah. BBC sort of saying like, well, relations have never been as bad. Obviously, never been as bad. Brexit and the Northern Ireland yeah. Never been as bad. Definitely. Well, like, I mean, From between... like a colonial power. No, 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 between, in terms enough, of relations between history. ministers in both governments, in terms of Dublin and London, okay. at least in recent memory, you can obviously point to historical precedents where that's obviously okay. yeah. not right. the case. Okay. But the point is, there will be a lot of cheering uh, around Merrion Street, perhaps, Privately, they won't do it publicly no. about mm. Boris Johnson going. But well, so, some of it will be public if Sajid Javid becomes the next PM because he is very close friends with Pascal Donahue since the time that they were both finance ministers. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know I who else is, is actually relatively close to Pascal Donahue? Is the other lad, uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, who apparently is uh, also a big Star Wars fan, just like mm. Pascal Donahue. <laughs> Strangest things will bring people so together. But go. anyway, if there is too much celebrating uh, on an Irish government level around this, uh, they might be tempered somewhat by the virtue of the fact that we're not to be fully outdone. We have our own chaos yeah, we, here. We, we do. I, uh, I will just say, by the way, that uh, you know, better the devil you know maybe than the devil you don't because Liz Truss, remember, is the person behind this um, protocol scuppering legislation and she might be the favourite to become the next Prime Minister. So you could have the architect of all of that like deepening her, her roots in number 10. Um, but yeah, we are not totally out of the woods from political um, scandal ourselves or political instability because mm. uh, as we record this evening, the government in Ireland, the uh, tripartite, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Green Party Coalition, is now a minority. 
because this evening there has been a vote on MICA legislation in the Dáil, the redress uh, scheme to try and help people rebuild their homes that were built with defective blocks in counties uh, mm. Mayo and Donegal and Clare and, and everywhere else uh, along the West Coast. Mm. And um, Joe McHugh, the Fine Gael TD for um, Donegal, has voted against the government and has resigned the whip. And that means that now, in a chamber of 160, only 79 of them actually belong to a government party, mm. which means that the government doesn't necessarily have the ability to get stuff passed anymore. Now, Joe well, McHugh flagged this for a long time, though, didn't he? He's this was something this, which yeah, is danger, he's yeah. he this the whole way through. Yes, From the start had. of mm. this um, campaign in Donegal, he had said, look, these are my people, I represent these people. If they're not happy with this deal, I will be with them. And, like, he's been a man of his word on that, it has to be said. To be fair, a lot yeah. of flack for it, yeah. yeah, yeah he's taken a lot of flack. He'd already announced that he wasn't going to be contesting the next election anyway. He said that was for family reasons, yeah. because it's a long commute and his, his family are small and he wanted to see more of them. But it has liberated him a little because he doesn't have to worry about how the electorate are going to respond to him were he to follow the party whip in future. And I guess um, he kind of leaves with the sort of, you know, um, reputation of being loyal to his constituents, yeah, which yeah, I think that is that probably an honourable way to leave there, there to the end. Now, people will probably wonder, by the way, why didn't we make this the top story? Because, just about to ask um, you that. Because, <laughs> it, that, you know, it, what we talked about, Britain for 20 minutes, and now we're just kind of doing it by the by, mm. uh, what's happening in Ireland. Uh, the reason is because, on a very practical level, Boris Johnson could be gone in a day or two. Um, this does not mean that the Irish government is gone. The fact that they don't command a majority vote in the Dáil, it's not an automatic thing where someone goes in tomorrow and says, right, out you go, in pops Mary Lou and a whole coalition of others. Um, there has to be a vote, some sort of critical vote in which the government is beaten. And there is no sign necessarily of that actually happening uh, because we're in a situation where um, although there are only 79 official government TDs, there are two suspended Greens who are going to be on their way back, they hope, in a couple of months, which would bring you back to 81. Joe McHugh uh, has seemingly assured Leo Varadkar that even from the outside, he will support the government in any critical stuff, which brings them back to 82. And you have a few other independents like Michael Larry and Noel Grealish who would often support the government anyway. So when push comes to shove, they probably have enough votes to get through. It's narrow and you are reliant on favours from some people you can't control but they're probably okay for the foreseeable no matter what anyway. One thing on the horizons, Zara, mm. which might put that a little bit to the test, mm. is the budget. We are in a cost-of-living crisis. Yeah. Um, the summer economic statement, which will set the parameters for the budget, was announced by the government this week. Mm. Um, something like €6.7 billion Euro package to be lined up. Uh, one of the things which they have done now, or announced now, um, is a list of back-to-school measures to help yeah. families. You were at the launch of that. That's something which, on paper, would be quite popular to a lot of families. Mm. But there's a little bit more to it than meets the eye. Yeah, so this was a kind of a last-minute press conference that was called, actually, because the three of us were sort of scrambling in the group chat ourselves, saying who, who would make it to it. Um, so, basically, it was Heather Humphrey, Social Protection, uh, Education, Norma Foley, and uh, Michael McGrath, uh, Deeper. So, yeah, it was, a, it was quite a like impressive announcement. Three government ministers wheeled out for something that really... Look, there's a couple of things to it. It's a 67 million euro investment. Um, it's an extra 100 euro um, for, for parents who are getting the back to school allowance. But the truth of the matter is uh, that about 260,000 children will benefit from that in a population of 5 million people in this country. 260,000 is there's about a nine, There's about 950,000 between okay. primary and second so level. So it's a bit little over a quarter of that, quarter. which is... Fine, but it doesn't it's affect the other three quarters. Yeah. And like the reaction to it has been absolutely astounding. I was saying to you today, like the messages have just been rolling in from people because again, what's really shocking about this whole situation is actually that Leo Radker had been speaking on radio yesterday morning saying that, you know, cost of living affects everybody, that, you know, 
where there would be targeted supports, of course, um, his premise was that like we help everybody and then we go in with the further targeted measures for people who really are in worst affected. Um, and that was put to Heather Humphreys yesterday. We, we ran her over that a couple of times and said, look, you know, the Thonishta said, your party leader said today that everyone would get the help and yet you're coming out this evening, three government ministers and saying these are targeted supports for, albeit the people who need it most and nobody disputes it. And the people. worst affected Absolutely. by inflation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. nobody's sitting here saying that they shouldn't get that. And sorry, just to be clear as well, uh, they've waived the cost of, of school transport as part of the scheme as well. Um, but just in terms of those squeeze middle again, like they're the people who are really frustrated by this. Just going to take you through some of the messages that we uh, received on this. So uh, one lady saying, all families should be receiving a back to school payment. It is not not just low-income families who are struggling. I have three children. My eldest is going into first year. €800 Euro for the new compulsory tablet and books also have to be brought. Uh, bought. That's €350 Euro and uniform is approximately another €300. Euro. No book rental scheme available in our school. It is going to be so hard. It is, and this is going to be brutal, and this is going to be the big challenge, I suppose, that the government has. And this is what they were doing when they were announcing the summary economic statement, mm. is that uh, we have to be targeted about it. We aren't, we aren't going to tell you what we're going to do. It's going to be a mix of one-off measures. It's going to be this, that and the other. Because mm. this, is, this is probably now the immediate issue which defines whether or not this is a successful government. So they were announcing that a big hullabaloo around the summary economic statement. Um, confidential briefing was done then by basically by officials of the Department of Finance. It actually led to a lighter moment um, when you had all these, you know, grey-suited officials wearing spectacles of the Department of Finance who are briefing journalists on this on the Zoom call, effectively. And, and one unnamed uh, radio station representative came on playing uh, interpretive jazz music no. very loudly <laughs> over, over these, these PowerPoint presentations. No. So like, oh my God, I love that. He was kicked out and then let back in at a very crucial point where the saxophone just reached an absolute catastrophe. <laughs> it's astonishing, um, I love that. Fiscal jazz. You tell us afterwards who that was. Uh, we'll tell you, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll you later. Put, your, put your guesses in now. Oh, yeah. But um, another thing, the central bank was out um, <clears throat> today and this news is going to be um, released um, on Thursday morning uh, when you're all listening to this. Um, inflation is still going to spike for the next couple of months. Now, the, the central bank um, expects that the cost of living, i.e. inflation, is going to dip back down towards the end of this year, but there will be a further spike until around August at least, and it mm. will be over the 10% mark. Also, household incomes aren't going to recover mm. until sometime into next year. So inflation, even though it's going to come back down towards the end of this year, mm. still going to be outpacing the real household incomes that people have. So people are still going to be feeling the cost of um, living crisis many, many months to come. I remember being at a separate central bank briefing in person, actually having to sit down with the governor of the central bank just before Christmas last year, or maybe just after Christmas this year, and him saying, this is only a short-term thing. This is the, the fallout from the blockage of the Suez Canal last year. Supply chains are disrupted. It'll all work itself out, and inflation will go back down again. And that was their official advice a couple of months ago, that it would be a really short-term fleeting thing. And, and it didn't. Nope. And uh, so you have to take any more suggestions that this will sort of peter out by the end of this year with a heavy pinch of salt for that reason. Um, and just on the summer economic yeah. statement, because people will get the headline figure of 6.7 billion and they will think, God, loads of money. Like that's, This, this oh. is giveaway stuff. It's not. It's not at all because 3 billion is already committed to, to like demographic stuff. Basically, you have to fund the health service by more because with a bigger population, you need to fund more services. So you spend a lot of money literally just to stand still and actually in practical terms to fall backwards because if inflation is 10% and you're not increasing state spending by 10%, then you are in real terms actually cutting. But then when you look at what they've got left to spend, so for spending increases or tax cuts, you know, people, we, we've talked a lot about uh, filling the car 
and how expensive petrol and diesel is and the cut there was a couple of months ago. That's only a temporary cut. Yeah. It's supposed to, to expire again in October. So if you have to review that and renew it, and they're surely not going to allow it to go back up again while people are still struggling, it costs more money to renew it. They basically could eat up three quarter, um, nearly three quarters of a billion euro immediately by extending that excise uh, cut and the lower VAT on household energy. And you spent most of your tax package without doing anything to make things cheaper than they are right now. So just don't, don't be fooled by hearing a headline figure and thinking, God, bonanza now, we're all going to get something. Because actually, if you try and give something to everybody, it yeah. doesn't go very far at all. The, the things are, uh, like, that the government has been stressing is that they're going to have some stuff which is going to help now. Mm. But when they were announcing the statement, they were like, well, we can't tell you exactly what's going to kick in this year. There was a figure of like 400 million euro, which they might be able to do now. They've also resisted all the pushes for an emergency budget, as in something, and then yeah. something right now to help people. Do you think that's going to stick with people? Do you think people are going to be, you know, content to wait until September no, to figure out everything? Absolutely not. They're just not. Like, this is another comment, Richard. You know, uh, this is in response again to the back to school saying, look, we have uh, two car loans. We're not very well off. We live rurally. We need both of our cars to get to work. We have a small mortgage and our oldest is starting college in September. They say we won't qualify for a grant either as we're a couple of thousand over the income band. We're in the group that gets absolutely nothing yet because we live rurally. We both have big fuel bills, electricity, etc. I am at my wit's end wondering how we're going to keep it all afloat without taking out credit union loans, more debt that won't be taken into consideration. And those are the messages. Every single day I get messages yeah. like that. You get them. Mm -hmm. We, The three of us talk about this every yeah. single... We share them with each other every single day. And they've become more and more frequent and we're getting more and more messages like that. So the idea that the government thinks that people will tip away and be fine and oh, we'll wait and see what happens in September is kind of delusional, to be honest. And Sorry, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you. And I know we, we need to move on, but I think it is also worth saying, without trying to be too pessimistic, because this is going to be a very downbeat note, there is no sign of things ever getting cheaper. We might get to a point where inflation stops and things remain as expensive as they are right now. There is very little sign of anything happening where the cost of energy comes down and therefore the price of everything else comes down as well. At best, if inflation stops, mm. prices don't get any higher, but it's a whole different thing about them coming lower again. So people will then have to learn to live with those higher costs baked into everyday life forevermore and not necessarily having any more money in their pockets to deal with it. One thing on the energy thing as well, which actually the central bank, the Department of Finance, and now the EU have all said, is that um, there does seem to be at least a little more warnings coming out about what happens if Russia pulls the plug on gas to Europe mm. and the knock-on it'll have here. We don't have a huge amount of gas from Russia, yeah. but economically, that is a juggernaut about to hit Europe if that does happen. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. One thing which costs a hell of a lot of money and could cost 
a lot more than even the government says. There's a little thing we should get all aboard on, and it's called the Metrolink. <laughs> oh, God. What a segue. And the, <laughs> what he described as a, metro, a mega project. Uh, does it cost 9.5 billion? Does it cost 12.2 billion? Does it cost 23 billion? Does it cost 6 billion? Tell you, he doesn't know. know. Does, tell you, he doesn't know. The government. government <laughs> Interesting tidbit um, revealed in the Irish Independent, actually, uh, about this private memo from um, the public expenditure minister, Michael McGrath, who stressed that it was inappropriate for the government to be selling this to the public as something which costs 9.5 billion euro because big projects have a tendency, not just in Ireland, to run over. Running over. And when they run over, they run big over. Yeah. Um, and so basically he was just saying, look, we need to be careful. You need to be responsible about this. It's going to become a stick which people can beat us with if we say it's 9.5 billion and then it's been more than twice. If you think Dermot Bannon goes over budget, you should see the Irish government. You've got to get the QS out there for the budget to try and keep this, this thing under control. It's, it's a hell of a project, Gav. What's, what's, what's remarkable about all of that, though, is that uh, so this was signed off by Cabinet on Monday. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday morning, Leo Varadkar was speaking on News Talk and told Pat Kenny, oh, it could be an extreme case, it could be up to 23 billion. And that was then put to the press conference at which Michael McGrath was present. And Amy Ryan stood up in Michael McGrath's vicinity, sat beside him, and went, nah, probably going to be closer to 7 billion. Uh, even after Michael McGrath what a, what a had warned like, him stop underselling the cost of it. That, that it could be as high as 23. <laughs> but would you not think the lads would have had a meeting like, and been like, here's the number, let's all stay on message. Like, would that not surely have been, well, Gavin? Come but, on, but, like, but by their own admission, they don't know how much it's going to cost because they haven't put it out to tender. All they've agreed and to also do building materials. Anyone who's trying to up their gaff at the yeah. moment will tell you the building materials and, are and, 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 it's, and it's gotten an awful lot dearer now from what it was supposed to be the last time that they announced it, which was you know last year when it was only supposed to be an expected 3 billion now already they're talking about probably middle-of-the-road price, nine and a half or possibly more. And of course, once upon a time, it was supposed to, well, it was supposed to be up for, for originally a couple of hundred million or maybe two billion Two billion. stretch. It was an, it's, look, there's been so many announcements of this <laughs> and this goes way back. The year 2000 is the first proper government announcement about this when it was called the Metro, I think it was called the Dublin Metro and they had like all yeah. these old maps and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, it's a lot smaller of a plan now. Yeah. 19.4 kilometres, 16 stations from Swords to the city centre to the airport to the south city centre. 25 minutes end-to-end -end journey time. Three minutes every train. Really selling it for the people of Ingold Unbelievable. there. Unbelievable. <laughs> but we've pulled out a clip from the archive. Should we, we should play that now, should we? Play, play the clip. This we've is back from, when, when is this from, Gav? This is from August 2002, 20 years ago next month. This uh, one has producer Brian in it. Where uh, producer Brian, who at the time was reporter Brian, uh, was speaking to the then Minister for Transport, Seamus Brennan, about why the delay with the Dublin Metro and when was it actually going to be delivered. And here is a, a clip of hubris about when it all was going to get underway. Minister has denied reports that it's going to miss its deadline by years. The minister said the government is committed to having that metro link completed on schedule. It'll be separately funded uh, and taken out, extracted from the general metro plan. And uh, the government have decided that that's a priority and must go ahead urgently. Uh, that will be finished by 2007. That's the target we've set ourselves. It's been claimed the cost of building the line, half of which will go underground, has soared. But the Dublin Transportation Office is sticking by its estimate of €2 billion Euro instead of the €20 billion suggested today. So, so guaranteeing yeah. that it would run in 2007 and that it would only cost you €2 billion. Euro. Mm. Not the 20 that they're... I, do, I have to say, Not I do 20. love a dig into the news library to see that sort of stuff come well, back I, up. You love it's to see brilliant. It. The thing about it is, like... This is such a good, pro like it, on its on face value, it's such yeah. a good project. It's important. We haven't had a rail link in the airport. It's nonsense that we haven't. But there's such a thing in this country about these mega projects, whether it's the Bertie Bull, 
uh, whether <laughs> it's um, the Whitewater Rafting Centre, oh, Dublin Docklands. Was the Whitewater Rafting Centre? That's was done. That, was that actually a real proposal? Yeah, yeah. It really sounds like something you see lot. on a national lottery ad, doesn't it? It was every <laughs> water slide for national lottery, yeah. yeah. Oh, literally, the market photos yeah. are very Why much like the that. Why does the national lottery think that everyone would want to have Government a water Council slide in their tower if they won the lottery? That's what they wanted to do. Such a bizarre but, but there's ambition. so many of these projects over the years which just haven't happened. Yeah. Um, this is something which, like, I think it has cross-party support. I think everybody wants to see it happen. It's just like, how many times can you announce it? No, who doesn't thing? want to see it happen is the people who are going to lose the green in their house in the state for it. Apparently, apparently, this is There's a been thing. a few people now who've been like... We, we got a few Think of the children, where will they play? Yeah. Uh, well, th there's no danger of them losing their places because by the time like they lose the, the green space, they're, probably, the they're not going to be children anymore. <laughs> um, but also, like if, if you do agree that it has to be done, then whether it's six or seven or nine or 13 or 23 billion, it's never going to be any cheaper than today. Because that, that's how construction yeah. works. You never get a situation where you build a massive infrastructural project and then a couple of years later, it turns out you could have done it for half the price if you'd only waited for the market to come down. Mm. The, the, the best time to do it is 20 years ago. The next best time, if, if you think it should be done, is now. But let's see the plan of permission go in and then actually put a, put a shovel then in the like ground. Then like my friend who works in pensions who says, do you know the best day to start a pension is the day you start to work? Mm. But the second best day to start a pension is today. today. Yeah. Good infomercial <laughs> stuff there. There, there. there is uh, actually, just before we do move on from it, a lot of the, the, the very nice stations in the city centre involve flattening a lot of buildings that people are quite attached to, like the Market Witch okay. Leisure Centre just behind Tower Street Station. Mm. Um, oh. So a lot of rebuild that elsewhere, like if they could find the site, yeah. which they can't. So uh, let's let's see how the planning permission goes. We will definitely be talking about the Metrolink again uh, if we're doing. We could be talking about this forever. We're, like when, when our children are doing some sort of follow up podcast. If, if podcast I don't even have any children. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like yeah, twenty thirty four seems to be the, the the estimated time of of delivery of this. That's twelve years time. Or Shelton will still be in Downing Street. Yeah. <laughs> still hanging on to the drapes, refusing to go. Um, I'm still watching the screen here um, of, of Sky News and what's happening live. Um, the PM said to be in buoyant mood, uh, no intention of resigning. There's been a sort of a, a convoy of men in suits uh, walking up and down Downing Street to get in the door. Another place where you see plenty of people in suits coming and going. I'm the king of these segways. These are You're that, that's they're sensational. So like, that's I sensational, really think, yeah. you know what, you've won the segway. Have you heard of this trend called gentle minions? I hadn't heard of it until you brought it up yesterday on the meeting. I've heard of it and do not understand it either sociologically or in any I've other way. I've also never seen the Minions movie, but I feel like... I'm not I would, either. I'm I feel like either. we should go see it. I think I'd like it. Uh, not well, wearing suits. I was going to say, can we, can we borrow your kids to go to the cinema? Yeah, by, okay? by all means. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a key for a few hours respite. The cinema, yeah. for, for the uninitiated, Gentle Minions, um, there's a Minions film out called Minions, I think it's three. Mm. So this so, would some, be some the, studio's gonna get on to the fourth or fifth film in the Despicable Me series franchise. The Rise of Gru, uh -huh. number one movie in the world, apparently. Um, They're very cute. There's been a big trend of people on TikTok, notably teenage boys, you know, 16, 17 year olds who have all put on their put on their suits, gone in big gangs of people, all imitating the Gru hand yeah. gesture thing and just going to, I to see. Just, please watch the video to see Richard doing <laughs> yeah. that hand gesture. Uh, I'll do it's, it's like, the, it's like the, four there. It's like the Merkel really? diamond camera four sort there. of thing. It's what is it? Camera four. What does it mean? Mr. Burns doing the excellent thing. Oh, it is a bit like yeah. that. Richard, oh, there we go. Do the there we go. There we there go. Again there. Yeah, that's lovely. That's, I'll encourage people who are listening in audio to put on the YouTube channels. There we go. We're cross-promoting. But um, they're all going and they're doing this. They're all cheering along and having a great time and posting on social media. And it has driven the attendance. So the studio has said, well done. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. However... Cinemas there, aren't happy. There has been a ban put in many cinemas <laughs> in Ireland and Britain 
on young fellas wearing suits coming in. We've First <laughs> time ever young fellas have been banned for wearing suits. literally just thinking, like we're getting the second wear out of the day. We've, we've come so far from when like, you, there was this idea of like banning people from wearing hoodies in shopping malls because they were considered oh God, to be an so antisocial threat. now the new... Like Asbo hoodies. hoodies vibe, like is that it? What are we going to start in those those black shine shoes? Like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are not we going to have to start wearing on telly tonight. then, Richard? If, if if suits are now like completely rejected, what are we going to have to start wearing on telly? I don't know. We like, should get t-shirts made up, like you know, yeah, just like <laughs> brand. Remember when we started this podcast? We had all these intentions of dressing mad casual, and then yeah. none of us have no time to go home and get changed. It's time to take off a tie this evening. That's how wild today it was. So we just happens. we just come in the way we've been at work all yeah. day because we just can't. Uh, I d- I just don't like. Okay, if it's different if you're like a sixteen year old, but I I just can't ever imagine how getting in a suit would ever be considered a recreational thing. I think it's like, probably because you don't have any other reason to. I love that. So you have a bit I'm of a thing. So it's a reason to. Yeah. But like, so apparently they're they've been banned because apparently a lot of them have caused chaos and commotion and standing up yelling and roaring and, and filming in the middle but of things. But didn't you say that some of them kids are and... taking nice photos of the kids with the cardboard cutouts and stuff? This is the thing. So yeah. basically, like, yeah, there's been a, a sort of a mixed uh, response to this. So basically, some, in some studios or in some cinemas, there's been uproar and chaos. In some, the young fellas are helping out the actual kids who've gone to see the Minions, The Rise of Gru, <laughs> and have taken, like, loads of photos of, yeah. the, of, the, of, the, of, of small kids with, you know, the Minions cutouts just for them and making sure they have a nice time. They're, they're being stuff. gentlemen at Minions. Yeah. Ergo, gentle Minions. Gentle Minions. Gentle yeah. Minions. Still can't imagine why you'd ever want to put on a suit recreationally, though. One thing I hate about my line of work. Oh, my God. Here we go. To finish the podcast, (gasps) the Prime Minister has sacked Michael Gove. Unbelievable. So he has called the bluff. He has called the bluff, then, of the people who have gone in and told him that he needs to go. That not only is he hanging around, he is sacking the defectors. He is crushing the saboteurs. (laughs) This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, The greased piglet that is Boris Johnson. (laughs) <laughs> One last gambit for that greasy pig. <laughs> Suspect this is a topic which we'll run on and which we will come that back to in future finisher. I can't believe he sacked him. He might well be gone by the next group chat. Could he be won't. gone by the time this podcast comes out. I bet he won't. Him and the bloody Metrolink will be going at the same time. They, will. <laughs> well, they, they spent so much money putting, uh, doing up number 10 for himself and Carrie and the kids. They can't possibly yeah, leave Don't now. mention the war on that wallpaper. <laughs> well, when we're back this time next week, we'll, we'll find out what's happened to, to Boris Johnson and on what comes out of all the rest of these stories. But... For now, that's it. We all, that's all we have time for on that on the group today. Sarah, Gavin, Chaos and Mayhem correspondents and editors alike. <laughs> See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.